Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. Meantime, Andy Moore, Automotive Group Hotline. He is our friend of the show. He is Greg Rakestraw, who joins us right now. Um, help me talk myself out of this. I am very underwhelmed with the interview potential coaching candidates for the Colts so far. Should I be, or is it because I've had this thought, this one-track Terminator mindset of Jim Harbaugh or bust, and that's why I'm underwhelmed? What do you think? I'm pretty much sure you just answered your own question right there because you were all aboard the Jim Harbaugh train. So so of the candidates, since they've basically interviewed, I think, seven people and requested three more at this point, who is out there that they haven't interviewed or requested an interview with that you're disappointed about? Oh, disappointed is the wrong thing. Underwhelmed. I'll be honest with you, the, the two that I like, one's D'Amico Ryans and the other I don't think had an interview yet, and Leslie Frazier, and they're two defensive background guys, which is a little bit different. But, yeah, I mean, from from Kafka to to Johnson, uh, even to a degree to Enemy, I like Eric Enemy. He's probably going to be good. I just It just seems like it's an underwhelming class right here to me. Well, I mean, to me, it's it's there. There's the Harbaugh Peyton group, and I never thought Peyton was going to be a fit here. I yeah. thought Harbaugh potentially could be, but knowing how many different head coaching openings there were, I, I never got you know crazy infatuated with either one with, with with say Harbaugh, so to speak. Right. I guess I'm looking at it not in terms of a particular person of kind of the remaining group. But looking at it more of, of offensive-minded guy versus defensive-minded guy. And clearly, you know, the trend has been to go more along the offensive route right. than to go to defensive route. Somebody with a person I like, D'Amico Ryans, and somebody that knows this division as well as he does, I would probably be a little more excited if it's him than, say, other defensive-minded coaches, just because he, having played against this franchise as long as he did, uh, you know, he, he kind of knows what it's about at its peak and, and being successful. I think he's young and dynamic. I, I think that's a good thing for a group that needs to get younger and a bit more dynamic. But even that being said, I, I think I'm much more along the lines of, listen, you have to draft a quarterback. You have to get your next quarterback. Give me a sharp offensive mind that you can pair with that player, that can grow with that player. So it's not to me about – which name or which coach in particular, it's more along the trend that I want to see this group go in, which is bring me somebody talent on the offensive side with with maybe an exception or two of the defensive-minded coaches that are available. So maybe, and Greg Gregstraw joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Maybe it's a little bit more of me thinking, if you had somebody with a, a been-there-done-that type of resume, 
maybe that leads to a quicker turnaround than what we're all kind of thinking you're going to get right now. Because granted, you know, since the end of last year and through this year, there have been a lot of days with this Colts team that revolve around losing. So the quicker the path, I think the brighter the skies and the better the feel around here. And it just doesn't feel that way, I guess, starting anew with uh, one of these dudes that could ultimately be a flavor of the month or turn out to be a guy like uh, Kyle Shanahan, for example. Who knows? Well, again, the good news for Colts fans is their last four what I would call cataclysmically bad seasons have all led to a coaching change and then the playoffs the next year with one exception. So let's take them in chronological order. Okay, 98 or 3-13. and 13. Well, that was Jim Moore and Bill Polian's first year, and they won 13 games without a coaching change. They were a playoff team the next year. In 2001, they're a six-win team. Coaching change, obviously Tony Dungy's available. Ten-win team playoff next year. Um, the next truly bad season this franchise had was 2011. They got, a, they got a, a, a head coach with no previous head coach experience. They won 11 games. Obviously, Trek Pagano only coached a handful of them because Bruce Arians was the head coach for a good chunk of that year. That team won 11 games as a playoff team. In 2018, Frank Reich had not been a head coach before in the National Football League. They won 10 games in a playoff game. So, yes, you know, it, it's, it's, you always like having a guy with head coaching experience. And again, it's why there's the Harbaugh Peyton group and then there's the coordinator group. And it seems like it's not going to be Jeff Saturday. It's going to be the latter. But again, you, you can be successful. Again, Brian Dayball, not a head coach before, did a pretty doggone good job without much in the way of changes of pieces in terms of the personnel for the New York Giants. So, um, you can still win with a first-time head coach and a young guy. I still think that's a possibility here. I believe everybody remaining going into the divisional round of the postseason this weekend has an offensive background other than McDermott and the Bills. Um, that should be the direction that the Colts are going? Do you think Again, that, and, that that should and, be, and that it, will uh, be? It's all because that doesn't necessarily mean it, mean it will be. It's the direction I would lean because of where your draft pick is and the obvious glaring need to get younger at the quarterback position. I'm not saying this is going to happen, but even if, even if you say Sam Ellinger is your guy going forward, wouldn't you want a, a bright offensive mind to help kind of lead him after a couple of years in the National Football League? Again, I don't think that's going to happen. I think they're drafting a quarterback at four or moving up to get a quarterback, whatever whatever the case may be. I think the Colts are taking a first round pick at quarterback. I, I don't think that's some you know hot take that I'm throwing out there. He's a great race draw. Go ahead. Don't you want to give that guy the best available chance to win by partnering him with the head coach of the future and letting those two guys kind of grow together? So yes, I think that's the reason why you're better off going with a more offensive-minded guy, a guy with an offensive background, more so than a defensive one. All right. For S's and G's right here, Harbaugh or the field, who would you have rather seen as head coach here? Um, Harbaugh would have been great, but if his heart wasn't fully into it, you have to move on. And so if, if he has decided – hey, I, I am going to stay at Michigan, then you're better off with somebody else. So, I, again, I do think there are other really good potential head coach candidates that are out there. 
So it's not going to be Harbaugh. You're just going to have to let that one go, John. Uh, well, and, and that's understandable, and we will. Outside of discussions and comparisons, which are probably won't leave anytime soon, and here's what's going to happen, Greg. You know this, because you've been doing this just as long as I have. At some point, more, um, well, I should say in this case, less than a handful of these candidates will turn out to be something really good, and then people will get back at me and say, you had no idea what you're talking about on this day in January. You know what I mean? In 2023. So I'll have to end up owning this anyway at some point. For most of these guys, they are simply names and resumes. We don't know much about them. Guys that have been here a la Leslie Frazier, is a little bit different, a little more of a track record with him. And frankly, he has more of a track record being a bit older than a lot of these current coordinator to head coaching candidates. You know, everything is, is pie in the sky potential right now for these. And, and do we, do we really know what we're getting into? No, but that's the job that Jim Mercy, that's the job that Chris Ballard has is to figure out which one of these guys can make the best leap from being a coordinator to being a head coach because some guys are coordinators. Some guys are position coaches. Some guys are head coaches. We'll see of that group who can make that transition. Greg Rakestraw joins us. That was a big one for IU on Saturday for a variety of reasons, and it was even more so than you know getting juiced up by the home crowd, which I thought was there, as it normally always is in that win over Wisconsin. But whatever Mike Woodson and staff did to re-energize these guys, especially to start on the defensive end, do that every time because they look drastically different than they did the two games prior being Penn State and Northwestern. That's what I expected to see from Indiana this year. That's the team with experience that we all thought would showcase their skills on a regular basis. And so I am happy for them. But now to you know make a believer out of me, go do it again. And then after that, go do it again. You know, Once we see that group play that way for the span of a couple of weeks or for three or four games, now you have my attention. So doing it once better than the alternative, but now repeat this for a couple of weeks before I kind of buy into what this group is all about. Does the Big Ten surprise you on the number of teams at the top or maybe better said how wide open you're thinking it can be as you hit the middle portion of the season and then the stretch run? Well, I'm lucky. I get to talk to the Delphi Bracketology guys once a week, and that day is on Tuesday when we produce their show on the ISC Sports Network. So I've, I've got a good amount of facts and figures off the top of my head just from hanging around those guys about three or four hours ago. And, you know, they're talking about, you know, do we think that because of these teams playing each other that there's going to be 11 Big Ten teams that make the NCAA tournament? Probably not. But are there 11 teams that are under consideration for the NCAA tournament from the Big Ten right now? There absolutely are. So obviously there is a gap, even though Purdue has won – couple of conference games by a point or a bucket and have lost a conference game in a similar fashion to Rutgers, you know, there is a gap in the resume. If here's what Purdue has done, here's what everybody else has done to this point. So it's not a conference that we're talking about in terms of its star power atop the league, where this conference will make its hay this year is the depth of the league, knowing there are probably eight or nine NCAA tournament teams from this group this year. And so to me, the bragging point of, of the league isn't, you know, Purdue, although it's, 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 it's carrying the mail right now. 
It's the fact that Penn State is as good as they've been in a while. In Northwestern, legitimately can be an NCAA tournament team for the first time since the last time they made it, which was the first time they've ever made it, which is now four or five years ago. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. How about the six-ranked Hoosiers with one loss on the season? The women's program playing incredibly well right now. And one I cannot wait to talk to joins us now, the senior Grace Burgers on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline. Grace, thank you for the time. How are you? Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. I have been wanting to get you on this show for a while because we love watching you play. Um, my daughter's on a girls team that absolutely loves up here watching you and your teammates play. How enjoyable has it been with this group, especially given the results you guys have had on the floor so far? Yeah, I mean, I think anytime you're winning, um, it's a lot of fun. But, um, you know, we're also have, have a really good time off the court. We have great chemistry um, on and off the court. And we um, have a lot of just really great, great people on our team. So they're, they're a joy to be around um, every day. Fighting, grinding, things like that uh, all come with the territory of a, a really good basketball team. And and you individually have had to do that this season. Let's go back to November. That ballroom, that floor, that incident uh, against Auburn, I believe that it was, that kind of robbed you, took you out of some games. Were you worried at the time that maybe it was going to be the entire season or uh, was it something that you quickly got past here? I know you missed a, a handful of games, but let's just face it. I mean, it could have been a lot worse. Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely could. And I think anytime you kind of go down like that, um, you know, obviously I was in some pain and that's the first time I've kind of um, not been able to just bounce right back up from an injury. So um, initially I, I was definitely, you know, scared that it would be, the rest of the year, but I think uh, I pretty pretty quickly within a day or two got the news that um, it would only be about six weeks, and so um, that was definitely a relief and just uh, made me you know take nothing for granted um, and just be really happy that I get to come back this year. Grace Berger of IU joins us. Were you at all apprehensive upon your return, or did it feel like normal? Because oftentimes you can have a, a bit of a mental state that kind of takes over. You're a bit apprehensive when you're first out there. Did you have to battle through that, or was it just like old times when you got back out there? Um, I mean, um, again, this is the first time I'm really coming back from something like this, so maybe the first couple practices – um, it was a little, you know, a bit of a mental block to kind of get over. But um, I think, you know, once I saw myself in practice being able to compete um, and, and move pretty much like I was before, uh, obviously I, I know um, I, have, I have a knee brace that's helping protect me as well. So um, I wouldn't have gone out there if I didn't feel like I was safe and I didn't feel like, you know, I could, I could give it 100%. So, um, you know, uh, pretty much from the first game back, I, I felt confident out there. Grace Berger of IU joins us, the senior um, how tough was it to sit there and watch, um, even on your rehab and even knowing that you were going to ultimately get back? How difficult was that? Uh, obviously, you know, as a competitor, it's hard, um, especially, you know, in those close games, you want to be out there with your team. 
uh, as a fifth year senior, someone, you know, be out there helping lead them to victory. But, um, you know, you just kind of had to change your mindset. It was what it was. I couldn't be out there. So I tried to um, contribute in, in other ways, whether that's using my voice, whether that's talking to some of the younger people that had to step up um, in my absence. So, um, you know, as a competitor, it, you know, wasn't fun. I wanted to be out there, but, you know, you just had to flip your mindset to um, other ways that you could contribute. Yeah, Terry Moran, your coach, had mentioned where you were doing a little coaching up on your own in and out of huddles, too. Kind of comes natural to you, I would guess, right? Um, you know, like I said, I've been here for five years. Um, I pretty much know what, what the coaching staff wants, what Coach Moran wants. So I think um, just kind of being an, an extension, of, extension of that um, and just, you know, helping out those kids that, um, are really, you know, kind of being pushed out there that might not have gotten those minutes if I was back. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, I want to eventually be a coach down the road. So I think it was a good good thing for me to kind of work on. She's a senior at IU, six-ranked Hoosiers, and Grace Berger is on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. The one thing that's been really cool upon your return is having seen those Assembly Hall crowds just get bigger and bigger. I think you're recently the, the largest in, in in history of the a women's program and the game there. How does that make you feel the way you guys are being embraced by the IU basketball fans there? Um, you know, it's really special, I think, um, especially for, for someone like me that's been here when um, our crowds might not have been as big to, to see where, we're, you know, we've kind of taken it, where Coach Moore and, and us have kind of, you know, built it um, to where people are really excited about women's basketball. And, you know, as someone that has traveled all across the country to, to play at different arenas, play at different universities, it's not like that everywhere. Um, so, you know, what we're seeing at Assembly Hall every single game for um, for the women, is, is something that's, you know, really special. Um, and, and we, you know, appreciate every single one of them for, for treating us with, you know, as much excitement and respect as they do the men's team. Hey, Grace, I know that there's a there's a lot more to go. Don't get me wrong on this. But just a, a moment of reflection, if, if you would indulge me. How good does it feel for you to be on the grassroots of just the incredible growth over your time in Bloomington of this basketball program? Yeah, I mean, I think it's something I won't truly appreciate until down the road when I'm done because, you know, I'm still focused on the things we haven't done here yet and what I can help, you know, this program do and Coach Moran do in my last year here. But, um, you know, to say it, it's been special, you know, it always excited me going to a program um, and helping them do things that had never been done before. Uh, but, you know, to say making the first Elite Eight, making, uh, you know, the Big Ten Championship game and coming so close, you know, it, it's it's been really special. But, um, you know, we still have our sights set higher. We still want to win championships, um, it's, which is what I set out to do my freshman year. So, um, you know, I'll reflect on it later, but I, right now I still feel like I have a, a lot of work to do. It's uh, Grace Berger, the IU basketball program on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. I mentioned uh, you guys are ranked sixth, and you got back-to-back-to-back games uh, coming up tomorrow night on the road in Champaign, Illinois, 21st ranked, Michigan's 14th coming up on Monday, and then you know, that big one. If you're talking about crowds in the last couple at Assembly Hall, the one for Ohio State, which I believe is a week from Thursday, uh, ought to be incredible right now. But this is an important stretch of three games for you and your teammates, isn't it? Um, it, it absolutely is. I mean, I think uh, you know it, it's going to be tough every night in the Big Ten tough. It's tough, but I think we're really excited about it. Um, just to continue to prove ourselves uh, that we are one of those top teams in the country that, you know, hopefully at the end of it, we are the best team in the Big Ten. So 
Um, in order to be the best down the road, um, you have to play the best. So uh, the Big Ten is certainly going to have us battle-tested, and we're really looking forward to it. Hey, Grace, who instilled that love of basketball for you at a young age? Uh, my dad has always been a big basketball guy. Um, he always out, out of my driveway just teaching me, you know, different different skills, different things that, that he had learned from when he played. So um, me and him still kind of share that today. So I definitely say my dad. I am curious. Did you think when you were like my daughter's twelve? I think she believes I yell at her too much. All right. So did you, did, you, did you ever think when you were twelve that your dad yelled at you too much? Um, yes, he was my coach all, all growing up, um, and he definitely you know picked on picked on me being his daughter. I always thought he was being you know the hardest on me, but looking back on it, I, I think it definitely made me better. Um, he was just being hard on me because he wanted the best in me, but. Uh, you know, twelve-year-old Grace probably yes would tell you that he was being too hard on me. <laughs> well, twelve-year-old Laney definitely says, "I, I, Grace, honestly, I can't even make facial expressions anymore. Like if if there's a uh, let's say if there's a jumper put up, and it doesn't draw much iron, I can't even face palm because if there's a face palm scene, then then we're off the rails a little bit here. So I I got to be like I'm playing poker, just completely poker faced up, nothing." No reaction. Yeah. Well, in her, in, in her defense, I was probably the same way when I was her age. So, <laughs> oh, they're probably on their way to a game listening right now and thinking that's uh, that's pretty funny though. So there's no way I admire. There's no way I could coach her up because she wouldn't listen to uh, a thing that I said. So that's cool that you listened <laughs> to what your dad said. When did you uh, realize that you know playing at this level of college basketball and then ultimately maybe realizing a dream at the uh, WNBA level was in within reach for you when did you realize that um I mean it, you know it's still kind of crazy to me that um I'm even here and um having the success that I've had um individually and as a team you know when I was growing up it was obviously my dream to play uh big time college basketball but um, it always seems kind of distant. So to actually be living it and actually see these things as possibilities, um, it still kind of feels surreal to me. And something that, um, you know, when I actually sit down and think about it, is um, just super, super special. So Grace Berger of IU, again, three ranked teams coming up, two of which coming up or on the road and then that one a week from Thursday against second ranked Ohio State as of right now that's uh, at Assembly Hall coming up a week from from Thursday too alright I see I see some of your teammates are a little bit active in social media um, especially Sydney Parrish your teammate here from uh, <laughs> from from Hamilton Southeastern you're not very active yourself are you? Um, yeah I leave that to the, the more outgoing people some of my teammates but um I see it from afar on social media for sure. You're not going to get into a Sydney Parish TikTok video anytime soon. Uh, pro- probably not. I'll let I'll let her and again some of my more talented teammates of that stuff uh, <laughs> stick to that. I'll just be a little more behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> I like it too. I do. Her dad, and you probably know this. Her dad was a really good college mm-hmm. and high school player, Sean Parrish. Um, he's a little bit older than me, but played at Ball State when they had a great run in the tournament as well. But uh, nah, seriously, you guys are as fun as hell to watch. 
and uh, we thoroughly enjoy it. We'll keep track to see what you're doing and get you back on on the show before you guys hit the NCAA tournament. But again, I know that there's a lot more work to do. But Grace, congratulations what what you and your teammates and the coaching staff have accomplished down there because there is a significant buzz and that is really cool. Well, thank you, and, and thank you for your support. We all, you know, really, really appreciate it and, and obviously couldn't do it without it. So, um, you know, thank you, and, and we're really excited for the rest of the year. You got it. Grace, thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Grace Berger of IU, the senior on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Potline, a tremendous story of being injured and being scared with the injury and coming back and then performing again, once again, at a high level. That is impressive. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Joining us now on the Andy Moore Automotive Group Hotline, getting a win in East Lansing yesterday afternoon over Michigan State and the head coach of the Purdue Boilermakers, Matt Painter, is with us. Hey, Coach, how are you doing today? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, obviously happy about the win, and you know now we move on to Minnesota and uh, take off to go there on Wednesday. And I want to start with the execution of that final offensive play that led to the game winner by Zach Eady. Um, it's always good when you get the results that you're looking for, and obviously you did. But just to to the eye of those that aren't in the know like you guys are, how well executed was that, just even beyond the make and the game winner there? Uh, obviously the pass is what made it, Fletcher's pass. You know, you got to put the ball. We, we just did a dribble handoff into a post feed, and then we pinned down opposite. Um, if they try to hold with their low man, then you know you got a you know a wide open shot right there. Or if they try to take away that post feed, then that can be a high low for them. But um, you got to put the ball in somebody's hand that can deliver it. I thought Fletcher did a really good job of just delivering the ball and, and kind of putting it where. You know, he could he could step and get it. Sometimes in those situations, you're not necessarily passing it to someone. You're, you're just passing the ball away from the defense. He did a good job where they couldn't get it. And then Zach got a little momentum when he caught it and was able to kind of pump to the baseline a little bit and then just kind of roll off of it and get to the middle. You got a lot of different plays, especially going the length of the floor like that. I think he had something around a little over 10 seconds or so. Got a lot of different yeah. play variations for that amount of time. It depends on who's playing well. Well, um, yeah, you know, for somebody like him where you knew they were going to stay one-on-one, you go in that situation and they double, you could get a quick layup off the double, a quick skip for a three. But if they bottle you up, you also can get the ball inside. Then all of a sudden the clock just runs out. Then people ask you what the hell you're doing. So um, anytime you're late second like that, um, we've done a lot of open court ball screens with Braden because he's such a good passer in those situations. Uh, He got us, I think it was Nebraska, he got us a really good look by Fletch in the corner in regulation that he missed, but um, he's made some really good decisions in that situation. So got a couple different options, and obviously Zach's made some really good you know, passes. He did it in uh, Rutgers. He did it against Ohio State where we got some really good looks um, from three. So it just you just 
you got to take what the defense gives you. It's not always going to be perfect. I don't know if I've – Matt Painter joins us on the Andy Moore Automotive Group hotline. This is the one thing I noticed that because you had uh, two guys going on either end. Walker was going for Tom Izzo's crew, and then obviously Zach was having now what we know as a, a Zach Eady type of performance yesterday. But I think in total, bench points – compared to the two teams are like at seven. I, I don't know when the last time I saw bench points combined with two teams as low as it was yesterday. That kind of stood out, which I guess it goes to show how well at least two individual guys were doing on the offensive end. Yeah, you know, it's hard for guys. You know, when things aren't ran for you. And we, you know, they were going to stay one-on-one with Zach, so we yeah. ran a lot of stuff for him. Braden got in foul trouble in the first half. Fletch got into foul trouble. And then, you know, late in the game, I thought Fletch was very aggressive and made some really good decisions and some really good plays, driving the basketball and and just looking to be, you know, when they they take things away, a lot of times, you know, you're going to have open avenues to drive. And I thought Fletch did a good job of getting to the rim a couple times late. What makes you more confident in your offense? When they double Zach or when, when they don't or either or? Does it really matter? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just just being ready. Um, you know, you can't have predetermined thoughts because a lot of times you can watch other teams and say, okay, this is how they're going to handle X, Y, and Z. But Zach's so different that they could do something ultimately different than they normally do. We thought they would stay one-on-one, but, you know, he missed, you know, he missed a lot of shots. It was his most misses of the year even though, you know, he was 13 for 26 from the field. You know, he has a lot of shots in there that normally go down for him. So it was a great game, but he also had some opportunities that he normally, you know, knocks down. But, yeah, we just try to to work on both, just work on whatever. You know, we think we've seen a lot of different things through the years in terms of how to deal with big guys. So just trying to stay prepared and then make an adjustment. You know, if they're going to come and do something different, you know, it's it's usually something that we've seen before. And uh, just make that adjustment. And just when we throw the basketball inside, uh, just kind of read what they're doing. But sometimes we cut people through. Sometimes we hold. Sometimes we screen away when the ball goes in. Sometimes we back screen when the ball goes in. And, and some of the best offenses, when they take it all away, and then he stays one-on-one when they double. Now they've put two people on the ball, and he's so big, and he can pass over the top. Now when you screen away from the ball and some post splits or some you know, back screen into down screen action while the ball's in the post, you know, it, really can, it really confuses them. It, it gives them other things that they have to think about and just not him. Next up from Matt Painter, the Boilermakers, Minnesota. We'll jump into that in a second. I don't know if there's a stat for this. I know you guys keep an outlandish amount of stats uh, well beyond what we know, but it seems to me just by watching that Caleb first so many times off the ball either keeps a possession alive or gives you another opportunity uh, offensively. Mm-hmm. It may not show up in the box score, but, man, it shows up if you watch basketball on the eyeball test, to me at least. Yeah, he's pretty active, and, and that's what, you know, him and Mason and Trey, you know, playing off of Zach a lot. Um, it's hard because you don't get as many opportunities. It's not even close, right? When you get somebody like Zach that can establish himself, now you really got to be active on the glass. You really got to be active diving, and that's what Caleb's been able to do for us. And, you know, we really stress with him getting the ball with two hands, but, like, sometimes just keeping it alive, like you talked about, yeah. is so important. You know, as long as you're getting – you know, the ones that you absolutely can get with your two hands, you know, with two hands you have to, but then the ones you can't quite get there, you got to get those tap backs and just keep it alive. 
and try to buy us another possession. Here's what's different when you played, certainly. Second shots were always big. I mean, going to the offensive glass is big. But, man, in this era where somebody off the offensive glass is probably going to get more times than not a step into three-point look that's basically a layup now, it, it just is different to me the value of the offensive glass, you know, that extra possession when you're done on that end compared to what it used to be even. Yeah, you know, just the possession more. I mean, you sit there and grab a box score at the end of the game, like, you know, who out-rebounded who and who had fewer turnovers. You get two equal teams, especially if they shoot, you know, pretty comparatively, then, you know, you're that, that's going to weigh. You got, you know, five more rebounds and three less, you know, turnovers, and now you got eight more possessions um, in the game and things are pretty even. You're normally going to win that game. You know, and so that's something the coaches are always harping on rebounding the basketball and taking care of the basketball because those are the two real pillars of the game. Do your two guards, your freshman guys, Lawyer and Smith, do they forget things easy? And I mean in a good way. Let's just say it's a bad play. Do they move on better than what you would think most might coming in and playing those significant roles in that amount of clock as freshmen? Yeah, I would I would say so. You know, I, I would say definitely Fletch. You know, Fletch um, has had some big-time – Second half, not really. He had a bad half at, at Ohio State in the first half, but sometimes, like you get into games and you get a little bit of foul trouble and you don't get as many opportunities, or we just go to Zach a lot, so you don't get as many opportunities. He's had those kind of first halves where, you know, he's just hasn't been able to get involved because of how we play and some of the things we do, or you know, he had the foul trouble yesterday, and then he always seems to you know, really play well in the second half and really get us going and then be there at the end like he was yesterday. So, you know, Braden, you know, when Braden finds something, whether it's, you know, a lob or cross court passes or getting to his pull up, you know, and just getting aggressive. We we really want him to be aggressive, shooting the basketball and just kind of probing the defense. Um, but he really gives us opportunities. Braden does a great job of just giving us opportunities and giving us open looks with his ability to pass. Yeah, they just seem fearless. I mean, I know that that's kind of the M.O. These guys play so many stinking games uh, from where they are and now where they are, but it just seems like both are incredibly fearless and both have pretty good uh, lack of memories where they just kind of kind of move on. And that seems to me a good trade as a freshman in a backcourt for a really good team like what you have. Yeah, it's a good trade for anybody to have a short memory. You know, yeah. just you got to move on. Like you do something well. Like let's not have a parade. You do something bad. You can't drop your head. Yep. You know, you got to be on that even keel. And both those guys have that. What's up, Matt Payne, the head coach of the Boilermakers? To on to Minnesota in just a second. We talked about this earlier. It's a lot of, of minutes for a big dude like Zach Eady. Have you been at all surprised that his conditioning, from what we have seen, has been an absolute non-factor? He looks as fresh and it looks as good as the end as we saw yesterday, playing those large-scale minutes as he normally. Normally does. Yeah, he's fine. It's just something that people talk about that haven't been around him. The guys that have been around him and watched him practice and watched him train and work out, you know, they know he's got pretty good stamina. So, not at all. You know, he's been able to play. You know, I, I don't want him to play 37 minutes. We really struggled when he was out of the game, um, you know, yesterday. And so, like, we just went back with him and played him, you know, more minutes. Yeah. It, um, he's having a monster year so far. Is this yep. what you expected from him? Yeah, I thought he would have big time numbers. If you look at his per forty numbers, you know, you know, per forty minutes numbers last year, you know, they're, they're very, very similar. Um, and so, like, he just, you know, needed to play more. Just to be frank with you, and um, yeah, we thought these were, 
he was going to be right around there. People talked about 20 and 10, but I thought if he played 30 minutes, he'd get more than, you know, he'd get more than 10 rebounds. He's really done a good job um, in the weight room and just his mobility, but he does a good job of rebounding out of his area and just going to get the ball. I'll tell you, the other thing, too, is staying out of foul difficulties. That's something you and I have talked about a number of times. And, I mean, you look at yesterday, no problem whatsoever. Obviously, I don't even know if he had a foul yesterday. I'd have to look at the box score. But I mean, he seems like that he's getting a, a good whistle and things are going well, at least, to be able to keep him in the game like that. Yeah, he's done a good job in ball screen D and his post D and, you know, and and just staying away from a passing standpoint of elbowing people on the head because that, that can get to be an issue when you kind of turn with the basketball and somebody is right there, especially with that double team. But, no, he's done a great job of, you know, just playing and staying in the game and just staying big. You know, don't have those sudden movements. Just stay big. Keep your hands up. Don't go for fakes. When they commit, you commit. It's a Matt Painter, the head coach of the Boilermakers. So next up is Minnesota, and like any Big Ten schedule in any season, um, always tough. There's no doubt about that. What do you think about what they have there? Well, obviously they went on the road and you know got a huge win at Ohio State, and uh, we know how tough of a place that is to play. And they're, they're you know they they've pieced it together. They have some young guys that they play with some experienced guys. You know, the, the one thing is, that, like, Jamison Battle is, is such a threat. Dawson Garcia is, is a threat. Cooper, their point guard, is a really good player, very underrated player in our league. He's got good size. He can knock down threes. He's a great passer. He can get in the paint. So when you have a guy that can pass like that, then you have two weapons, you know, like Garcia and Battle. You know, you've got to be on alert. And then the young guys, you know, that they, they have Pharrell Payne, who's a big kid that backs up for them, is going to be a really, really good player. But he's physical, he's good around the basket, um, can block some shots. So, you know, for us, we got to be ready for those guys. we got to be ready, you know, for Cooper and try to bottle him up and keep him out of the paint, but also stay with those other guys. Not let him get on the glass, not let him get those rhythm threes. Um, and just try to be a little bit better defensively than we were the other night. Hey, Matt, I know you haven't uh, – obviously you don't get to watch every single game, but is this Big Ten season going to this point, not just for your team, but for uh, the landscape of the Big Ten, kind of the way you thought it was going to go, at least through mid-January where we are right now? Yeah, I don't put predictions in on stuff like that. It's it's always kind of a crapshoot. You know, it's everybody's got good coaches, good players. Um, you can get some bad luck. You can get, you know – a tough whistle on the road. You can um, have injuries, you know, and, and, and so like, you know, you, you just try to got to stay injury free and keep competing and keep learning um, from some of your mistakes and just try to grow and, and get better. But the other teams, like it's, it's such a marathon. And, and so like some of the people that are struggling right now, you know, you're going to see a couple of those teams take off and really do well. You're going to see some teams that are doing well right now, you know, go into everyone's going to go into a rut at some time. You know, usually, and you, you've got to be able to get out of that rut and lessen that rut. You know, you can't make a three, four game losing streak. You know, you got to lose a game, you got to learn from it, you got to be able to bounce back. Uh, but that's easier said than done. You're at 401 right now. Um, How does it feel to be over that 400 mark? Uh, it's You just move to the next game. It's really not that big a deal. Um, obviously, we've had some really good players at Purdue and some really good coaches, and I've been very fortunate to. Uh, um, be able to stick it out and, and stay with it. But the thing that I that I like is I think we're, we're continuing to get better. Our program's getting better. Our product's getting better. We're, we're doing a better job of evaluating and bringing guys in here that fit. And uh, it makes it enjoyable. It makes it fun. This is a fun group to coach. Yeah, and I was going to ask you that, too, because it looks like it is a fun group 
because you got all these all these different personalities, all all these different pieces that may may work better here, may work better there. But it seems like that they all all kind of get it. And in this era of college basketball, or I mean, hell, any basketball for that matter, it seems like that's a difficult proposition for a head coach. It does. Yeah, you know, getting it to work, and you know, that's the you know getting guys to be you know, selfless and, and give themselves to the team. We've had, you know, we got guys coming off the bench that would start a lot of places. I mean, a lot of places. And, uh, and they've started here before. And, um, you know, just you, you've got to be able to, when you have more than five starters, you know, it, it really challenges everybody because you're going to have a guy or two every game that's going to, you know, be upset. But you can't walk into that locker room and you've won, especially a game like that, and then somebody's upset. You know, when you're upset after a win, that's on you. Um, and, and so you just got to stay ready. And you know, when you get that opportunity, you got to be ready to go. And you got to be ready to follow a scouting report and understand what we're doing offensively and execute what we're trying to you know get done in that particular set or play or whatever the scenario might be. So um, our guys have been really good with that. But it's hard. It, it is hard, especially guys that have started before, played more minutes before. Now you know you got to be able to make that adjustment. And maybe that's the game where you you do play more. But you know, learn to be productive. Learn to have a good attitude and, and help out your teammates. Four hundred plus, four hundred one right now. Congratulations, congratulations on that. That's um, I think that's a huge deal, and I think it's awesome. Also, Thank awesome you. coming from uh, a dude like you that uh, is good as they come, Matt. I appreciate you jumping on here today. I know you have a lot to do. The best of luck coming up against Minnesota, and we'll we'll stay in touch. But the basketball is fun as hell to watch, and you guys keep doing what you're doing right now. All right, man. Thanks for having me on. You got it, Matt. Thank you.